let's talk narcissism. Yes, this is a buzzword these days. People are throwing it around left and right for their exes, their parents, and all sorts of people. But we are going to get down to the research about what narcissism actually is, how there is actually healthy narcissism, and how it is a scale. And having this information is truly powerful because we can learn to see where we fit into this conversation and why we might be attracting people with narcissistic personality disorder that fall higher on the spectrum than others. So gear up for a powerful conversation with my mom, therapist and coach and expert on childhood trauma, Rihanna Milne. We are going to dive into all the things, relationships, narcissism, and personality disorders so we can have thriving partnerships that really put us in the driver's seat and have us owning our love and our lives. Welcome to Unleashed. I'm Alexi Panos, a life, love, and business strategist, leadership trainer, entrepreneur, and philanthropist. And you found the place for getting real, no BS, tools, strategies, and inspiration on how to live your fullest potential, unlock your most authentic expression, and create a life and business that you're completely obsessed with. It's time to remove the chains that have been keeping us small. And it's time to live life unleashed. What is up, family? So I am here bringing you another episode with my mom, Rihanna Milne, who is a certified trauma and addictions professional, but also an expert in childhood trauma. And you guys loved the episode we did together, episode 15, all about lasting love. We talked about childhood trauma. We talked about what gets in the way of lasting love and why so many people have a hard time actually attracting and sustaining lasting love. That's literally one of the top rated, most listened to podcasts on this podcast. So I wanted to bring her back since she's here for my son's second birthday, which was yesterday. And we said, you know, let's jump on into another conversation that seems super relevant nowadays that I hear a lot of people having, especially in the conscious community around narcissism. And I've got kind of an interesting take on narcissism. She's got obviously the professional take on narcissism. So we're going to jump into an open and honest conversation around this topic, what to look for, um, how we can take responsibility for why we keep attracting people with narcissistic personalities, and actually understand what narcissism is as a whole, because it is not just a one and done kind of label to give somebody. It is a spectrum, and we've got to understand that. So without further ado, here is my mom, Coach Rihanna Milne. Hello. Hey, baby. <laughs> Hi, everybody. It's so nice to be back with you all, and uh, I love the support and love that you give Alexi, and it's so great to see little Kingston and the family <laughs> this weekend, two years old, and waiting for these two twin babies to emerge oh, yes. into the world. Too. My belly is gigantic at this it's point. It's fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> it's fabulous. We are making babies. Yes. Yeah, so let's talk narcissism. You and I were in the car, and I was actually talking about how our podcast together did so well, and I got so much feedback from it. That's great. Because yeah. people really... We're missing information about our childhood trauma. We're missing these like crucial bits of breadcrumbs that can really help us understand why, A, we're attracting the type of people mm-hmm. that we're attracting, and B, why it's hard to sustain that. Now, in that conversation, 
what's really kind of trendy nowadays is this conversation around narcissists. Yes, it tends to be the buzzword. It is. And it's, it's very sad that people are labeling people without really full understanding of what that term means. Yeah. Um, but the whole childhood trauma piece is fairly new research. Yeah. And, you know, my generation knew nothing of this. Totally. And it was only, you know, once I went through a relationship hardship that I was led to do the research and saying, I need the answers. Yes. Because when seven of my psychotherapist friends couldn't help me, I'm like, what is this? Yeah. Which, and, which by the way, let's talk about that for a second. Okay. Like the fact that we have trained professionals that are just now coming into this information. That's true. Like that is a really, and it's not that it's scary or, oh my gosh, I can't believe that. It's This is new information. It's, it's new, It's yes. a new frontier. And it's it really love trauma, what I went through, you know, with that yeah. marriage that you're aware of, was not in the DSM-4, which us psychotherapists are supposed to find all the answers in the DSM-4, and love trauma is not in there. Which is so fascinating. And it is full PTSD. Yeah. Because I knew the symptoms of PTSD, and right. I couldn't stop them. And I'm like, who can help me? And I was not. <laughs> Why one, is this showing up? I'm not one to take medication. You right. know, I'm very holistic and natural and, and vitamin therapy or meditation. I'll do that first. But I'm like, I need the answers so I can heal. Yeah. And then as the answers were coming to me, that's what compelled me. It's like, this information is so fabulous. I've got to write it into a book. Right. Which created Love Beyond Your Dreams. Right. Break free of toxic relationships to have the love you deserve. So that was actually my therapy, writing that book for right. six months. With Finding all the answers. research yeah. that I was getting. And I'm like... This is so great, i got to take a global. Yeah. Which was really the beginning of getting me out of the psychotherapy local office and going global as a coach. Right, which I, which I really want to point to. You know, I love that talk therapy is available for people, and I think there's a lot of people that find a lot of value in that. But for those of you who have tried talk therapy and mm. don't feel like it works, this is why coaching can be a really fabulous and amazing counterpart to that because... Yes. A lot of times coaches are certifying all the time. And mm -hmm. and I mean, if you're not, you should be. You should be staying you up to date be, yes. on all the new technology and mindset tools and things that we're learning about somatic trauma and all of this, which you're up to date on, yeah. right? And as a therapist, you weren't trained in any of this. It wasn't required. No. I mean, I have a triple master's. You know, that's what we were supposed to get. Yeah. But like I said, it... The worst place to be is at the point of, I don't know what I don't know. Right. And if seven of my psychotherapist friends didn't know it either, <laughs> right. then I was compelled. And I'm a, a reader like you are. Right. So I've had read over 350 self-help books that are all over my house and my libraries. And I'm like, these don't have the answers. Right. Where's the So answer? this is when I started going into the psychological journals yeah. and the deeper research and reading books that are a little bit more outside of the box. And um, then I o looked over my 20 years of experience as a psychotherapist since I got into this as my uh, specialty area and said everyone I worked with was from trauma. Yeah. Whether in the schools from kindergarten through college or the hospital center where yeah. those kids were critical and cutting, self-cutting, mutilating, runaways, drug and alcohol addiction, the drug and alcohol center for the teen and adolescents, or even the women from the prison system, all came from trauma. Right, right. So then that's how I started piecing it together. What did I go through? What did my ex-husband have? Yeah. And then when the research says, well, nine out of 10 people yeah. suffer in life and love due to past unhealed childhood trauma, I'm like, then that means I got to have some. <laughs> right. If it says you have one to three out of these 10, it's like, well, I could easily see his. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he unfortunately was sociopathic, and we're yeah. going to get into what that means. 
because he had a horrendous childhood and had nine out of the ten symptoms. Right, okay, right. So I could easily identify his, and then that led to my forgiveness. Right. Because my spiritual empathy for him, it's like, wow, this is terrible. Yeah. You know, that he this went was a through child this, at some point. This hardship. Yeah. That and went I saw something. that in my other marriage that yeah. led to my forgiveness, right? So... Which I think is really important because I think there's a lot of people, again, wanting to just label, mm-hmm. but a label without understanding yeah. on your partner's part to say, oh, I get why. I understand why. Right. That leads us to compassion. Yes. And compassion is, is so huge, if not just to be healed yourself and to have some peace of mind, but also to be walking around on this earth with a, a different lens. To see that a lot of us, most of us, have suffered some form of childhood trauma, even if your parents were awesome and did their best. Well, remember, the research shows at least three generations have childhood trauma, so which led to the understanding of my parents. Right. Right? My mother, I'm a baby boomer, grew up in the Great Depression. So we heard a lot of messages around lack and there's not enough money. And we don't have enough money for heat or to put food on the table, (laughs) you know. So all these messages stay with us, right? And I know me. I crave security and I still, like, have to do that for myself. Yeah. You know, so once you are aware what your traumas are, then we do the conscious work about fixing them. And when you're emotionally triggered, which happens because this is life, this is in Buddhism we call the earth school. Yeah. And you're going to have lessons come to us. (laughs) Right. right? You're not perfect. Nobody is. (laughs) So, and this is what I do with my couples too. They, they have to understand each other's childhood traumas. Right. Then they learn a whole new communication style around that. That's what I teach them. Yeah. To have this loving forgiveness and empathetic, and then also take ownership. Yeah. So let's say uh, a heterosexual couple, because I work with LGBT too. So let's say the man comes home and he was criticized by his boss, right. which was triggering him because his father was critical of him right. and said, you're no good, you'll amount to nothing. So the boss says something like, you know what, you really screwed this up, you're no good, I yeah. don't even know if we should keep you here. So now it goes back home to the wife and he's angry at her. Right. This is a typical unconscious relationship. Sure. Yeah. So consciously, once they learn this work, they'll come home and say, look, I'm in a really upset way. Yeah. It's I got not you. Today. I'm yeah. triggered. And he understands it. Then he can explain it. She can have empathy for that. Right. And it's a whole different way of coming for home sure. and, you know, uh, relating to your partner. Which I think is huge. Like there's a lot, and that's something Preston and I have been learning and really digging into is that. You know, and for any of you who are even single, it's important to know that when you're calling in a relationship, there is no relationship that's going to be perfect. There is none. They're no. like, hate to break it to you guys. <laughs> like, totally hate to break it to you. Spoiler alert. There is no perfect relationship. However, if you go into a relationship knowing that you're essentially going to attract a partner that is going to bring up to the surface the parts of yourself that need to be healed. It, it helps you really understand that, okay, when my triggers come up, this is mine. I get to look at this and what needs to be healed in this moment. And we were actually just watching Super Soul Sunday with yeah, Michael Beckwith that was great. and Oprah. And he brought up a question. He said, you know, if you're in the dark night of your soul, ask yourself a question. If nothing changed, what would need to emerge within me to find some peace? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I look at entering into relationship dynamics. It's like, what needs to emerge within me for my deeper healing, for my peace, for my sanity? And sometimes it is leaving because there is toxic behavior and we get to look at that as well. 
Well, this is why when I work with my singles, I say you have to be a successful single first yeah. before you go out to date. And I don't mean successful monetary. I mean successful emotionally. Right. So that if you are emotionally and consciously successful, then all your life areas will line up yeah. to be where you want it to be. Now you're dating from a place of empowerment. Right. Right. And when you're consciously aware, hopefully you can meet a partner who's also consciously aware. Doesn't mean you're not going to be emotionally triggered. Right. Of course. But now you're recognizing, for example, if you're someone that had abandonment in your childhood, one of the 10 traumas I talked about in show episode one. 15. <laughs> episode yep. 15. Make sure you check that out. Yeah, it's a great episode. You know, so you understand the 10 traumas. So if you had an abandonment, even though consciously you might be aware this relationship's not good for me, it's not right for me, I can release them in love yeah. and say, I love what we have but I don't see this as my future yeah can do it in a love and kinding loving and kinding what kind way uh-huh. um, then at least you're releasing them in love and you're protecting your own boundaries now right, right. but if you're someone that had abandonment then you might break up and go back and then break up and go back again or try and hold on even tighter and say let me fix you yeah <laughs> you want to fix them and most people don't want to be fixed unless they recognize their own sure. childhood traumas yeah. right so it's where we have to make the conscious awareness stronger than the unconscious pull of the unhealed traumas. Yeah. That's the important part. Um, and that we're not labeling others for the own, our own responsibilities we're supposed to take part. And that, that is my number one issue. And here's the thing. Full disclaimer, I do believe in narcissistic personality disorder. I yes, do believe it's real. It's real. <laughs> and I think there's two sides to this conversation that are very black and white. It's like, it's real and everyone's a narcissist that I dated and it's all their fault and it's a blanket statement that takes me completely out of responsibility. Or there's the people that are like, it's not real. You're just using that as an excuse. Da, 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 da. But there's a very gray area. And I think it's why information on this and really educating ourselves on what this is is so important because there's a lot of people with narcissistic tendencies and it's not always a terrible thing because right. it's a scale. Yes. Let me, let me tell you a little yeah. bit about that. Okay. So the narcissist, there's a wide range from a very kind and healthy narcissist mm-hmm. to what we call malignant narcissist. And the malignant narcissist is the most dangerous type. Right. The sociopath and psychopath are always malignant narcissists. So let me go into what a sociopath is, because that's very important to understand. Because a lot of people say, oh, it was a a narcissist. And when I hear the description, I'm like, no, he was a sociopath. Right. Okay. Now, a sociopath is someone that uses someone for pleasure or profit. Okay. Sometimes consciously, sometimes unconsciously. They're trying to prove something to a past parents right and live this grand lifestyle because the parents said you'll never amount to anything right okay so they will lat- attach themselves to want the lifestyle or the income from that partner they think can give it to them okay so, so that they- could be someone who's like I'm dating someone who's really beautiful who's arm candy or yeah. I'm dating someone who's influential and part of a network like right. they're you utilizing them for some personal gain without any remorse. So okay. if it ends up you hurt them, they just disappear without an apology. Okay. And you'll never get the apology from that person. You'll never hear I'm sorry. Mm. So trust me, I've waited. <laughs> I've waited, <laughs> waited fifty years. You don't wait. It's not <laughs> gonna come unless they understand their own issues. Right. Okay. So let's go into a sociopath. Now, there is a checklist from Dr. Hare, H-A-R-E, called the Sociopathic Checklist, which is in my Love Beyond Your Dreams book. Okay. But I'll name some of the things that sociopaths do because it's very important because these numbers are increasing. Okay. When I did my initial research in 2011, 
um, Martha Stout's book, The Sociopath Next Door, cited one in a, uh, 25 people were sociopathic. Okay. Now, and this is based on testing? Yes. Okay. Now it's six to seven wow. out of 25. So, so why, these what numbers do you think are is, grown. What do you think is responsible for the increase? Uh, the falling apart of our families. Interesting. Um, you so know, like the moms, family structure. The moms are working a lot. The fathers, you know, aren't around. The fathers are less responsible. And I'm not saying all. I think the millennial men are, are doing so much better yeah, than amazing. the baby boomer men ever did. Yeah. Um, I think we all are. We're always learning, right? Generationally. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you can see the millennial men that grew up with the single moms, yeah. and you too, yeah. <laughs> Preston and you, were, that had strong single moms, you know, that there's more empathy for that woman that has to be out there working and supporting the family or paying the child support or doing everything. Yeah. And the father's kind of checked out. Yeah. You know? So, you know, it's it's big because... The thank God it's changing that way. Yeah. But now we have all this technology. So right. parents are checking out in their phones. Or I call them the machines. Yeah. Okay. They're all the machines that are out there and they're not connecting emotionally to their kids. Yeah. That's This huge. is big, huge. you know, and uh, parents, please recognize this uh, because you want a child that's confident that interacts and is socially confident. Yeah. I'm going to get on my soapbox real quick. You guys know I talk about this quite a bit. Um, we have to be responsible for our use of technology, especially in a world where most of us work online and we have the perfect excuse. Well, it's my work. I've got to respond to emails. I got to post online because I'm a coach and blah, blah, blah. Put boundaries on it because if it is controlling you, you are addicted to it and you have to be responsible for that. Yeah, absolutely. We'll do a parenting show too. (laughs) All right, I'm off my soapbox now, but you guys know how I feel. Like, Be present. Your life is happening in real life. And yes, technology can be a part of that. But the truth is, I would say 95% of people are addicted to their technology, and 94.9% of those people will not admit it. Yeah, they're starting to do studies on on our little people, our children, being on machines before they do anything else. Yeah. It's like machines all the time, and you got to get them off. you got to get them into normal play. Yeah. Creative play. Outdoors. I was even telling my mom, we were talking about this, how there's new research about our posture and how our posture is actually changing on an evolutionary perspective and our posture informs our emotional life. Mm -hmm. And if our posture is shoulders down, head down, neck down, because we're always looking down, it actually creates a depressive state, which depression rates are on their rise. So we've got to look at like, this is not just like, oh, I might be addicted to my cell phone. This is like, oh, wow, this might be informing my whole life. Yeah. Not just my relationships, but my whole life. Let's get that into Dr. (laughs) Hare's checklist of sociopathy. I'm all about research. So um, I'm going to name some of them. They expect perfectionism in their mate. Okay. They can be jealous and controlling. They might isolate the partner from family or friends. Okay. Because they want more of your time. I've I've been with one of those before. Yeah. Sure. (laughs) Master manipulator and con artist. So they're going to tell you, like, they're brilliant liars. They expand on all these ideas and you believe them. Yeah. They're so good. It's like, they're super Idea of the week or job of the year. And it's like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And you want to believe in them. Yeah. Um, so they can be cunning, outright cruel, devious, um, very impulsive. Okay. They can be prone to several addictions, definitely porn, uh, sex, yeah. overly sexed, alcohol, pills, cocaine. That's Addictions are always part of the sociopathic's life. 
uh, they're emotionless and ruthless. So they, the biggest thing, they have no remorse for their action. They won't apologize. That's, like I said, was one of the big ones. Yeah. They can be very moody, difficult and demanding. Okay. Um, they lack consciousness. They're just coming from impulse. They do crave money, status, and power, and yeah. they use others to get it. That's right. the big one. And that seems like that's the wound, right? Like that's the that's the wound from yeah the the mother or father telling them they're no good or criticizing or just them. not even being present. Yeah, to be like, look at me, look at me, look at me. I'm important. Feeding the ego of the child, yeah. which is natural and normal sure. and necessary. Yeah, right. And if they don't get that, they'll... then they crave it right. as the adult. Or they could come from a, a living in poverty right? and seeing this ideal life that other people can have, saying, I want it no matter what, I'm going to get it yeah. without you know, consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, they often don't have any close friends. And if they do, then that friend is subservient to that person. Uh, so they're like the leader in yes, charge. Yes, okay. they want to be in charge. So they very rarely have a group of friends. Uh, poor work history, inconsistent. It's like, again, job of the year. Um, early behavioral problems, they could have had juvenile delinquency, um, you know, fast marriages to a wealthy partner. They, they, you know, and some people say, wow, he loves me so much. He asked me to get married in three months. It's like, eh, that's a warning sign. Not always, but sometimes. (laughs) Oh, can be. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, it can be. So you have to be really careful. And simply the psychopath is a sociopath who kills. Okay, so this okay. is an important distinction because I think based on television or like Law and Order, who knows where it came from? Okay, I had this idea that like the sociopath is like the crazy person that's a killer, but it's not. That's a psychopath. That's a psychopath. That's right. So a sociopath is somebody who can very easily function in society. They do function in society and almost maybe get celebrated in society. Yes, it sounds like. But they often have a secret life, right? Or their life at home is secret, and they portray this grand image out in the world and their home life is suffering. Right, which I actually find, and and this is going to be a pretty bold statement, I find this rampant in the the coaching industry, Mm. unfortunately. Um, You know, knowing a lot of people who are, who have been in the coaching industry or who are just getting into it, I'm finding there's a level because of social media of like, my life online is... Fabulous. Fabulous and amazing. And let me preach to you how perfect I am. And let me speak from my soapbox on how I'm doing everything right. And Mm -hmm. then what we don't see is the relationships are failing. What we don't see is how they're lacking accountability and showing up in all the things that they're telling other people to do. Right. And and would you label that sociopathic or is that just a lack of consciousness and awareness? Um Well, as a singles coach, I also say it's okay if you say consciously, I'm not going to date right now. Yeah. yeah. Okay? And women have often been stereotyped and stigmatized if they don't have a relationship. Oh, for sure. You know, which I think really sucks. Yeah. (laughs) So I tell the singles, like, consciously make that if you're moving to a new area, if you're starting a new business and you know that business is demanding time. Yeah. And you're in the relationship coaching space, it's clearly okay to say, I'm choosing to be single right, right now, right. or I'm just going to date for making new friends, right. but I don't really desire a relationship right now. But and that's see, empowering. That's, but that's different, right? That's somebody taking responsibility and going, here's what I'm, I'm consciously aware of this, right. versus what I'm talking about is like the business coach, which I see a lot. The business okay. coach that's talking about, you need to make six and seven figures in your business, and they're barely making... Anything. Anything. Okay. So. You know, so that's more of the discrepancy yeah. I'm seeing in our industry. Yeah. 
I, you know, coming from the professional space as a psychotherapist, you know, we have all these licenses and continuing ed and, (laughs) you know, I mean, I think I have five licenses and six certifications, but for me, I wouldn't even come out as a coach without research-based education. Which I think is great. That's traditional me. I I know it's traditional, but I think it's so important. I do too. I think the public can kind of see through that if you're not studying and really genuine to what you're teaching, hundred percent. You know, it's you're doing a disservice. Yeah, you really need to come from a place of pure education and authenticity. So, so let's get into what the narcissist signs yes. are. Okay, let's talk about it. So the the now you heard what the sociopath was. So let's look that, at the and malignant that's on the scale. That's all the way on the scale. Of, let's say a zero to ten narcissist. That's like a yes. ten. Well, no, the the psychopath who kills is the ten. Okay. The worst. So sociopath would be like seven, eight, nine. That's right. Okay. That's a sociopath. The narcissist, again, both of them are narcissists. Got it. It's rooted in narcissistic personality. Yes. Okay. But then the, this higher one, this higher level is an antisocial personality disorder. Okay. But they're still narcissists because it's all about them. Got it. Okay. You say they don't care about others. Okay. Okay. So most people are not, you know, when they're saying, oh, I have a narcissist and I hear... From Dr. Hare's list, all the thing they're doing is that, honestly, honey, you have a sociopath. Yeah. Okay. So, and it's really important that they know the difference. Now, the narcissist also seeks excessive admiration. They have this sense of entitlement. They hate rules. I'm going to do what I want to do because I just feel like doing it. Yeah. And they don't think about their partner. Like, yeah. what happened in, in my marriage that right. I annulled, like, there was no oh, this could ruin me on my job and my right. reputation and no my wife's reputation right. and destroy the family. No. Yeah. So I want this now, so I'm going to do it. Yeah, yeah, Right? Because yeah. this benefits me. That's right. Right. Okay, so they're preoccupied with fantasies of power. Okay. Success, ideal love, or beauty. Okay. Okay. So like a perfectionist could fall into this. Somebody that loves the ideal of like the, per- the perfect life, the perfect partner, the perfect amount of power. Yes, and again, we have to look at what childhood wounds this is coming from. Okay, okay. so it's nuanced. Yeah, and it's this large scale yeah. from zero to ten. Okay, so and then they take advantage of others for their own gain. Yeah, jealous and controlling, and extremely selfish, materialistic, and worry about themselves. So that's a sign of a narcissist. But let's talk about a healthy narcissist. Yeah. Okay, so in my research, I even cite Oprah okay. as being a healthy narcissist, and what that means is someone that's kind of self-obsessed in the point that they're trying to do for others. Okay. And Oprah's always serving the world. For sure. Right? Beautiful personality. Um, But so into that, and when we look at her childhood wounds, which were many, um, you know, coming from poverty, um, growing up. Sexual abuse. Yeah, there's so much. You Having know, a baby at an early age. Going and, to, yeah. you know, um, into broadcasting and not accepted because of her color and right, her, her weight. weight. Exactly. You know, so there's so much that I'm not good enough messages yeah. were constantly handed to her. So she was proven, um, and I have something called the watch me mindset for success. Mm-hmm. When people doubt you or put you down, you know, if you have that in your mind, seriously, watch me. And it's not a statement of anger. 
It's like your own self energy to yeah. say, I can do this. Yeah. Not only for myself, but to help the world. Right, right, right. And you grew up learning that. The, watch me really, you know, I, people say I can't be a singer. Watch me. I'll yeah. do it. And you yeah. end up on three multi-plex CDs. So you prove that you can. And then yeah. you decide from there, do I want to keep this or do I want to move on to something else? So it's not like you're hurting anyone. Right. But it's your own self-determination yeah. to get where you wanted to go. And so did Oprah. So then you can help the world at large. Yeah. Once you got your message out and singing you went on to form epic yeah so you could now put water wells in africa right so it wasn't for that selfishness of any way it's like this target of energy that you wanted to see if you could do it yeah um so yes i think anybody that has really serious goals about their life at certain times to be in that mode to go for them you have to invest a lot of time and energy in your self-growth yeah it's just what is yeah so would you say, because in hearing that, I even think about my own journey. I think a lot of my proving, especially early on in, like, early on in my maturity, right. came from a sense of like, I want to prove that I'm worthy enough for this. Mm-hmm. I want to prove that I can. That because, you can do it. Because you don't think I can, but really, I don't think I can. So I need to prove it to myself. Yes, right? Unconsciously. That's, right. that's, that's right. the unconscious conversation. So is a healthy narcissist somebody that is overcoming their own bouts with worthiness and attempting to prove to themselves or to the world, but mostly to themselves, Mm because it's always that first, Mm -hmm. that I can, I am worthy, I do belong here, my voice does matter, my needs do matter, my purpose does matter. Yes, and I think a lot of people in the spiritual energy world is somewhat healthy narcissists. Yeah. Okay, why? Because we have to do it for ourselves before we can do it for others. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like I say, you have to be a successful single first before you can be successful in relationship. For sure. Right? You can't come to someone in debt and say, I want a wealthy man. Okay. (laughs) Well, a lot of women say, I want a wealthy man. Yes, they would crave that because cave woman brain always will crave security. Security. We can't help that. That's, we're hardwired for that. But are they successful in themselves, right. like financially sound, good friendships, um, good with their family, you know, in a good space with no debt? You know, are they there first? Right. So for us to help the world, we have to be in our own good space first. For sure. Right? Uh, otherwise, you kind of enter that martyr that martyr space where it's like, I'm just going to give to everyone and be so depleted and then be so resentful. and then <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. So that takes time on focus on self. Yeah. It's yeah. not a bad thing yeah. to be a healthy narcissist if you're not hurting anyone in any way. Right. And your, your greater mission or power is to help the world in some to way. To help serve others. But it takes a while. Like when I was writing my book, I barely saw anyone for six months. And it's yeah. like, look, guys, I'm writing this week and I'm not coming out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I'm doing me. Yeah. You know? So that was a narcissistic time period to write a book that I felt the world needed. Yeah. Right? And that's, that's what, when I came across doing my own research on narcissism, it talked about the healthy narcissists are a lot of the leaders we see out in the front that are right. really leading the charge in amazing ways. Right, Not, that's right. I mean, there's a lot of leaders leading us off a cliff as well, <laughs> but there's amazing leaders, amazing public servants, amazing people who are just really, truly shifting the world. Yes. And it takes a level of... Um, boundaries and willingness to, 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 I don't want to say cut other people off, but to go, this is my priority right now. Yeah. It's almost like you're self-sacrificing for a period of time. You're, yes. you're taking yourself, no, I can't go out and have fun. No, right. I can't do this because my mission is greater right now. Right. And it's okay. Yeah. Right. As long as you're not isolating for too long. But let's talk about someone that says, yes, I'm here to help the world. Like one of our top politicians without me saying names. Uh-huh. 
who is very much a narcissist. Okay. But and not healthy. Yeah. Right? More escooed to the line of malignant narcissists. He's saying he's serving the country. Right. But there's a lot of self-serving in there. Right. Especially sure. financially, right? Yes. We're seeing a lot of that. We're seeing a lot of that. But also comes from childhood wounds. For sure. Right? There's a lot of childhood trauma that was never healed within that person. Yeah. Always trying to prove, see, I am good enough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you can see where the wounds come from. Yeah. So on the everyday people scale of relationships, um, if you consciously know someone's not right for you, then release them in love and look for someone who's more consciously aware. Yeah. Um, doing the research, what is an emotionally healthy relationship? It's someone basically who has done their work around yeah. childhood traumas, who is able to admit and apologize quickly. Yeah. Hun, it's not your fault. I did or I'm feeling this. Right. Um, and being able to talk through their feelings and knowing that they're 100% uh, responsible for their own actions and feelings, but also being able to share them and knowing where these wounds come from. So That's an important fact because I think a lot of people want the conscious relationship, but again, they're not willing to do that work for themselves first. Yeah, it's really important. And so they come into the relationship and kind of maybe with some level of consciousness around their past, but not like, oh, this is my trigger, here Mm -hmm. it comes again, this is for my wound. And then when they get into a fight with their partner, and this is what we're seeing right now in this trend of narcissistic labeling, they get into a fight with their partner. And because their partner shows up a particular way, Mm -hmm. that's a complete mirror for their wound or their trigger, they go, oh, that person's a narcissist. And then they just throw the blanket of narcissist on them and walk away and go, not my problem, not my fault. They may not really be aware of childhood trauma work. Yeah. Really? Again, because yeah. it's so cutting edge. And then I have a lot of people say, well, I'm such a good person. Why would I have attracted the sociopath? Right. Okay. With the, Which is also, again, narcissist. So I want to speak on that. Okay. Because let's say you are very kind-hearted, spiritually aware, a good person. Because I've asked this question. Yeah. Because I'm a good lady. I'm a lovely yeah. mom. You know, I'm a good lady. I'm honorable to the relationship. It's like, how did I attract sociopaths? So the research shows that they really can tune in to very good-hearted people. Yeah. And who also believe in forgiveness. Right. So when you're spiritual, you do know how to forgive. And I've been studying spirituality since my teens, right? So I would give someone a second chance or a third chance. Um, You try to keep peace in the family. You know, you try not to break up your family. It's the last thing you want to do. Right, right. So you give them chance after chance. And sometimes, you know, a lot of the women especially are financially dependent on that person. So they can't leave. Now, this was a lot of the boomers especially. And you love that person. So you want to believe in them. Sure. And they say, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I screwed up. I won't do it again. Yeah. So you want to believe and give them that chance. Okay. Yeah, they see their fault. They're not going to do it again. And then it happens a second time. Yeah. And a third time. And a fourth time. Yeah. So this is when self-love has to say, well, how much more can I take? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and then that you have to say, you know, so I have to love myself more and make sure if you are a mom that my children grow up in a healthy way, even if I'm not with their father. Right. I have to make sure that I'm taking responsibility for my m- mental health yeah. and my children's emotional health. Yeah. Right. So, um, but this is the type of person they seek. Um, you really, if you give that person hope, the predator, so to speak, 
they keep going back because they miss your love and attention. Mm. They really do crave the love of that person, so yeah. they're going to try over and over to get you back. Right. Research shows these relationships, when the conscious partner says, this is not right for me, I'm leaving. Yeah. But if you have abandonment in your past, you'll keep going back to give them another chance. Mm. And the average is seven times. Mm, interesting. Seven times you'll keep trying because you want to believe and you, you hold on to the love that was good. Yeah. Because obviously you have to recognize there was good love. Of course. And that's what brings you back the beginning, yeah. quote unquote. And those of childhood trauma attract those of childhood trauma. Yeah. They're like magnets. Yeah. Okay, so here's the thing. Let's if, try and heal this thing. <laughs> if you don't know what you're healing, right. you, then you keep going in this toxic cycle, I call it, right. right? Of this hearts and flowers, which is great, and then the erosion, and then the blame, and then the arguments, and then you make up again. Hearts so, and flowers all over again. Yeah, it's similar to the domestic cycle of violence that right. they talk about in the domestic abuse, but sometimes not even as severe. Yeah. It's emotional abuse, Subtle, right? yeah. a mental abuse. Um, and they do seek out rescuers, loyal people, wealthy people. Okay. Um, but these kind-hearted peoples not consciously will enable them, but they may have this higher tolerance for cheap drama because they grew up with it. Right. Or this toxic environment yeah. became normalized to them. It was just normal what they grew up with. So they're... I would even say that some people are addicted to that drama, addicted to the chaos, because it's what they know as love and safety. Well, it's normalized. Right. We call it it's normalized. Right. So until they see that relationships should be peaceful and loving and supportive... Yes, they're cheap, attracted to that cheap drama, which is what we call, unfortunately, chemistry. Right. And I, I read this in said, Deeper Dating. Oh, which yeah? Is, have you read that book? No. It's I so good. It. Check it out. He talks about that. He says, what you label as chemistry is actually like all of your, your trauma bumping That's up right. against each I other. I talk about in every interview. And it's like your insecurity is being pressed. It's the worst way to fall in love. Yeah. But yeah. this is what we were taught in the fairy tale. Sleeping Beauty, the handsome prince comes, kisses you, and boom, you go off and you're happily ever after. Right. We, we, never, we never see what happens after. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you're like, can you show me 10 years down the line? <laughs> yeah, for real. So, I mean, but that's how we were told this is love. Yeah. And it's the worst way to fall in love. To yeah. me, I describe it as the icing on the cake. You have to have an attraction factor. Sure. Obviously, you're going to make love to this person, right? right? So you have to be attracted. But you've got to look at the cake. What's right. the substance of this person? Without the cake, the icing just falls flat. For sure. So you have to know the questions. Yeah. This is what I teach my clients. What's the 24 questions you ask on date one and date two? And it's not like an interview. Yeah, yeah. And I'll give you one, just okay. for example. Yeah. Like, it's not like a big rocket science, but when you ask them and you know the childhood trauma work, yeah. you'll know in date one or two if this is an emotionally healthy person or not. Right. Okay. So, like, the first question could be, and I'll tell you about one of my clients that okay. was out on a date. She asked the question. She knows the questions to ask. So it's like, well, tell me about your mom and dad. Yeah. Are they still living? Because she's a baby boomer. Yeah. So here was this guy's answer. She says, Rihanna, initially I thought this was a great guy. Yeah. Okay, opened it, pulled the chair out for me, asked me if I wanted food, not just a drink, and, you know, very charming. And and she's so she comes out with the first question. He goes, well, my dad died, and, you know, we really had a rough time when he was an alcoholic. Uh-huh. Boom. She knows he has childhood trauma one. Right. You know, okay, he was a child of addiction. Um, but he did quit when I was 13 and he worked really hard to build that relationship. So, you know, my dad and I, we took hunting trips and fishing trips. So we had a good relationship. I miss him. Okay. Great. A great sign that that childhood trauma has healed. Yeah. Okay. So how about your mom? Yeah. Oh, my mom. If I didn't have to see her, I wouldn't. She's in a old folks home. I got to take care of her. 
Honestly, I can't wait till she goes. Huh. Um, she's been an alcoholic, never stopped. Mm. And, you know, when my dad got rough with me, she didn't even step in to try and help me. So no trust with women. No trust. This is what I call in my book a mother hater. Yeah. So if you have a mother hater, he's not going to respect the woman he's with. Right. Because ultimately he never got it from his mom. That's right. Right. The first love you're supposed to have is from your parents. Yeah. And so if he didn't feel love or trust or safety. Yeah. And she didn't, wasn't there to help him. He has this huge resentment. Yeah. The other thing that happens, he tends to perfectionize women. Uh, my woman should be like this, because my mother was, and I want this ideal woman, right. right? So she walked away with her heart racing, and yeah. we, they learned that if they have anxiety, now this is a good sign. Okay. Okay, they come to me with ongoing anxiety, because her childhood wounds aren't healed, but they don't, they don't have confidence about dating. Right. Now she says, anxiety is my friend because it's a message. It's like a red flag. It's a message now. <laughs> right. It's like, okay, I'm feeling this now. This is one of my diamond clients, so she can text me. Yeah. Rihanna, this is what happened. I said, great, I'm going to call you. Yeah. Right? So I, she goes, I said, well, how are you feeling? I said, I want you to process this. Yeah. You're learning very well. Yeah. So I said, what do you think you want to do with this? She goes, well, initially I was really attracted, and you know, I felt it was great, but when that came out, Boom, it, it attached me right away that this is a mother hater, yeah. right? And so I think I, I'm just going to keep dating. I said, I think that's a very smart choice. Okay. So, now, would there be hope for her if she, if she did choose to be with this person? Or is that almost like a no because of how he's still relating to his mom? To me and us and yeah. our system, it's a no. Okay. Because what we do is called conscious dating. Yeah. And we consciously make a choice to be with someone Based or on where not. they're at. Right. Which I think at. is important to point out. We're because not falling in love with someone's potential. That's what I want to talk Because yes. that's what I was getting at. Because I think a lot of people listening are like, oh, but it doesn't mean they can't change. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and yeah. that's what we see a lot with people that we work with is like they fall in love with somebody's potential or they fall in love with the idea of what they could be. Yes. I've made that mistake. Yes. Same, <laughs> same here. Yes. And then we end up punishing our partners for who they've always been. Right. Yeah. So we want to see it early on, and then yeah. we choose whether to continue or not. So she said, I'm going to think about it overnight. I'll tell him in the morning. I said, sounds good. So she calls, and she goes, I think you're very lovely in many ways. I just don't think we're a match. Yeah. And I want to wish you good luck. And he starts screaming at her. No way. And she goes, I don't t take this, uh -huh. and I'm just going to hang up on you. You know, good luck to you. And yeah. hangs up and blocks his number. She goes, there it was, like clockwork, yeah. exactly <laughs> like you told us, a mother hater. Okay, so, you know, when you are empowered and know what to look for yeah. in dating, it's a much easier process. Sure. And we say we'd rather be single than settle. Yeah. And we do protect our, our heart and our boundaries. And yes, no one's going to be a perfect partner. Yeah. But, you know, have most of the childhood wounds healed. Yeah. And you can really uncover that with knowledge is power. It you know, is. When it comes to dating. And the thing is, too, if you don't have your, your childhood trauma fully healed, it's all good as long as you're aware of it and you're on the path and you're, you're willing to look at your stuff. Yeah. And that's where I think this whole narcissistic trend of that person's a narcissist, my ex is a this person. Okay, maybe. And... What does but that are mean? Are they a healthy narcissist? Yeah. yeah. And what does that mean about you? And like, where do you show up on this scale? Right. And, you know, a lot of times, and I talk about this example a lot, is people will read personal development books that'll be talking about issues and trauma and they'll think about someone in their life. Oh mm -hmm. my God, that's so my friend. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, that's so my ex partner. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> so my daughter, or my son, or my mom, or my dad. And rarely we go, is that me? Yeah. Like, you know, rarely right. we look and go, oh my gosh, this is actually me. 
And so the invitation is really to go, okay, great. Where do I fall on this scale? What am I trying to heal? What are my childhood traumas? And how might that be attracting certain types of people into my life? That's true. Because when I first read this, I could easily diagnose my husband. It's like, well, I grew up and I always hear my childhood was pretty normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And then I'm like, well, no. You know, my dad was like James Bond. He was FBI, CIA. We didn't know it. But I do remember asking all the time, when's daddy coming home? Yeah. So he you was know, always gone. He was always gone, yeah. and he couldn't tell the family where he was. That's right. how we supported our family, so that's called a no-fault abandonment, right? because that's how he supported us. But he also couldn't tell us. So there's also like a level of mistrust. Yeah. Because right? Right. you right. thought he was a salesman. Right. <laughs> well, I knew he was involved with athletics, right, right. so I'm there as yet another track meet, right, you know, right. and that's what we thought he did, but yeah. he also was helping athletes across what they called the Iron Curtain back right. then right. come to America. Right. Okay, so he was involved on the national level in athletics, so he was kind of a hero for that. Yeah. You know, so I looked up to him, but it's like, well, where is he? And then yeah. when he came home, he was the kind of loving woman when my mom was a tough and cold and work hard and we didn't hear I love you and we didn't get hugs you know Um, but when you become a parent and this is a big healing story that you all can understand you become that mom you always wanted sure you know like my girls you and and Steph always heard I love you and lots of hugs and kisses and it's like okay mom you don't have to kiss me now like when they they had to be cool as teenagers and say yes I do yes I do I'm gonna kiss you no matter what you know and you're gonna get used to it and they did you know um that was important for me that that love was shown and I see you do it with Kingston which I love so we can change these childhood wounds yeah as we recognize them and yeah. see what we needed and didn't get, we give those things to our children. Yeah. But then we're also going to make some of those mistakes too. Yeah. Or we're, we really have to keep working on the messages that we were told. Like, yeah. you know, my need for security because yeah. I grew up hearing, well, there's not enough money for heat. And right. <laughs> going to bed with 15 clothes on me and socks because we didn't have enough money for heat. Right. You know? So that security message will always be keen in me. Yeah, you know? it'll be chasing you. Yeah. Yeah. So we always are working on our stuff, yeah. but knowing it and acknowledging it is is really important. That's the healing. That's the healing that part. That is the healing. Yeah. But, you know, you brought something up in parenting that I think is important because anytime I or Preston have posted anything about this narcissism mm-hmm. conversation, a lot of times what we'll get is, my mom is a narcissist, my dad is a narcissist, and it's like, again, a blanket statement on the parents which again might be true to some extent, but what what would then be the child's who is often an adult at that point? Yeah, what's their is it the same conversation? It's a huge responsibility for the children to look at their parents and say, what did they grow up with? So compassion. And so empathy. I had to look at my mother. She grew up in the Great Depression. Right. And it was all about survival. And I asked her at 24 after her, I was the first of five children to have babies, yeah. her grandchildren. So I said, I love you, Mom. I said, I'm going to teach this woman to say I love you. And when yeah. she finally said it, I'm like, oh, thank God. You know. <laughs> and I so. asked her, why don't you tell us that? Or your kids need to hear that. She goes, well, I never heard those words. Right. We weren't affectionate. We were all about surviving. Yeah. And then, you know, that's where forgiveness comes in. It's like, oh, okay, but you Mom, can, can you tell us now? You know. Yeah. And then she was telling us all the time and told the grandkids, which was great. So we have to look at our parents with love and empathy and say, yeah. what did they go through? Totally. You know, was she a narcissist or was she in survival mode to take care of her and us? Right, right. Right? right. She had to be a bit narcissist because if she wasn't, we might not have survived. Right, right. Right? So 
that's the the bigger piece of this. Yeah. You have to forgive your mom and dad and see what wounds they came from. Yeah. Was their father in their life? Was their mother an alcoholic or on pills? Like in the fifties, that was a big pill popping it thing. Was. If you don't know, watch Mad Men. Yeah. <laughs> Pure example. This is yeah. what my parents were generation was like. Yeah. You know, the men did whatever they want. The women were stuck at home, often without their husbands, yeah. very unhappy, yeah. turned to pills because that's what the doctors gave them, yeah. or alcohol. Husband walked into a martini. Now, my father's not a drinker, but he was an athlete. But this is, this perf- you know, what uh, Mad Men puts on it's as very, normalized. Yeah. That was the... That was very apropos of yeah. the time. Well, and that's, that's the important thing I really want to highlight here and underline is that all of this work starts with forgiveness and compassion. Huge. And that's the spiritual piece. It of is. This. And yeah. I think it really even starts with the parents. Because again, if if I'm let's say I attract someone with a a six, seven, eight narcissistic personality, mm-hmm. my responsibility would be, okay, let me look at my childhood trauma, mm-hmm. which often comes from my parents. Right. Which then I have to look at their, their childhood. Parents, that's right. <laughs> I've got to look at their Three childhood. generations back. That's it. Yeah. I've got to go kind of ancestrally and do the research mm-hmm. and figure out what my lineage is. Like, right. what do I come from? What are my fears? And this is something for those of you who don't know, when I found this out, I was like, mind blown. So cool maternally our maternal line is super strong right for instance when you were pregnant with me mm-hmm. you made all of my eggs yay yeah so you essentially <laughs> made kingston yes. and you made the twins yeah so they're genetically a part of you so anything that you were going through at the time that you were going through it when you were pregnant with me right. is genetically imprinted on my eggs yeah so kingston will have it the twins will have it so i need to know what you were in yeah. spatially, genetically, emotionally, physically, in order to understand the genetic imprint that got put on right. while I was being born. Right. And this is why the maternal line especially is so important because your mom, mm-hmm. grandma, yeah. made myself and stuff. Yeah. You know, and it's like, what was she going through at right. the time right. when she was pregnant with you? And so it's really important for us to understand, not only for our own understanding, but to have a level of compassion for the fact that we're all freaking human. Yeah. We all go through an amount of suffering in our lives. That's right. It's how we be without suffering or how we haven't been without suffering that affects our future. Yeah. And if you're not willing to forgive your mom and your dad, you will continue to suffer. A hundred percent. And it will come out in illness, yeah. disease, anger, depression, yeah. anxiety, and you may not know why. Yeah. And it's low lying a lot of times. Yes. A lot of times it's this subtle thing that you're like, my life is awesome on paper, but I'm not happy. Yeah. Or like, I do all the things right with my health, but I feel like shit. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like this underlying subtle thing. And it's it's because we're holding on and we're it's the suffering and the resentment and the holding on to something. You've gotta you've gotta let it go. Yeah. And and the biggest piece is if you don't understand your mom and dad's behavior, and this is why I said I had to look at this with my husband, yeah. your father yeah. and my other husbands, uh-huh. you know, who all came from childhood trauma, mm-hmm. which I did not know when I married them. I didn't know it. I didn't know this information. Yeah. It wasn't out there. And then when I see the behaviors that they did, I'm like, oh my God, this makes total sense now. Right. And then because I could understand it, I could forgive it. Yeah. Not that I didn't suffer because of it. Right. I suffered in both situations. But, you know, I had to forgive it so I could become what I call open heart, open mind yeah. to love again. Yeah. And when I see these people, I could see them with pure love and compassion. Right. 
And, you know, I don't, you know, it's still maybe a little difficult yeah, to sure. be in their presence. But, like, when I ran into my ex in Palm Beach, the mm-hmm. first thing I did was hug him and say, hey, how you doing? Are yeah. you okay? Yeah. And I knew from that relationship he had gained a lot of weight, 90 pounds easily, and yeah. he was not happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could just tell, you know, and but that to Sonny has not forgiven himself for what was done. Well, and that's another you know? big part of the conversation. I think a lot of people who have had what we would deem a narcissistic partner, mm-hmm. whether on the scale of zero or six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah. Um, often they, they can't forgive themselves. They're like, why do I keep doing this? And they're punishing themselves, which ultimately, in my opinion, keeps attracting more of that. You can't. You know, you without knowing this information, Yeah. And this is why I had to ask, why was I attracting sociopaths? Right. Okay, and, and they both were. And it's like, okay, now I see good-hearted people who believe in second chances. They're forgiving. I've been spiritual almost my whole adult life. I loved him. I believed they would change. I wanted to believe in them. I wanted to keep my family together, you know, all these things. And eventually, when you suffer so much, it's like, I can't do this anymore. Right. And I'm better off with my own peace of mind and a safe space for myself and my daughters. Right. That's when you have to make the move, you know. Um, So it's important that you don't stay in something that you consciously know is toxic. You just can't. It's going to kill you. Right. Um, and, you know, unhealed childhood trauma, all the research shows, if you haven't seen the Kaiser Permanente study out of San Diego, it's amazing. But they did the childhood trauma piece that's unhealed compared to illness. Yeah. And illness starts in your 30s. Yeah, interesting. If you do not uh, heal your wounds from the past with forgiveness and understanding, you're going to make yourself sick. Yeah. And all early disease, uh, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, Irritable bowel syndrome, uh, MS, all Parkinson's, yeah. Alzheimer's. This stress erodes the immune system, yeah. and it breaks the body down. Yeah, and and I think it's important to know <clears throat> that stress is not just like, oh, my job is hard or I'm overworked. It's no, it's this emotional deeper stress. emotional stress yeah. that you're not releasing totally because trauma stays stored in the body and the brain cells. Yeah, and that my trauma work says it takes at least six months. Of this is why I work with most of my people six months. Yeah. And bringing this to the surface, you have to bring it to the surface to understand it. Then we have to forgive it and sometimes rewrite the story around 100%. it. 100%. Like I had to rewrite the story around my mother. I understand now what my mother went through and yeah. I love her and she loved us the best she could. Five kids without a husband supporting her. Of course she was an upset woman. I'd yeah. be upset too, you yeah. know, and I forgive her for what she went through. She suffered. Yeah. You know, so now I have full love around her and she presents all the time, you yeah. know, in my room and um, it's pretty cool. But, you know, you, you have to heal that so that you're not bringing that illness into the world and in your own body. Yeah. And into you your know? relationships. Like yeah. I would, I would say that, you know, you being single now, your boundaries are so much stronger because right. you've done that healing work and forgiveness with your parents where it's like I understand their trauma I understand three generations back right I've forgiven it doesn't mean it still doesn't show up and present for you yeah but you understand it yeah and so when you start to see those signs in other people you go you know what I'm actually not gonna say yes to this this isn't a game I want to play yeah because I'm actively working on mine. Yeah, it's like I I, I want to be your friend. I enjoyed your company. We're going to run into each other in town. Yeah, you know, I want to be able to say hello and yeah. 
Uh, but I just don't see us moving on in our future together. Yeah. So there's a kind and loving way to just, you know, release that person. And then that opens your heart to receive somebody new. Yeah. But I think it's important to, mm-hmm. to mention because there is a stigma around being alone, whether you're male or female, mm-hmm. but mostly for females, I would say it shows yeah. up mm-hmm. that it's important for us females or for those of you that are men listening that really are relating to this to go, I would rather be alone and and be really connected to my own healing, to my own light, to my own purpose, mm-hmm. than to be with somebody that is not healthy. Right. That is maybe triggering all the things that I'm conscious of. Yeah. You know, it's like... Because oh, they refuse to do their own work or right. they haven't done their own work yet. Or and they... I think a lot of people are quick to just jump into something because it's like, yay, a person, yeah. a body. <laughs> Who loves me. Who loves yes. me. But you can have love in so many different areas. Exactly. You have love with your friends, yeah. love with your children, love with your uh, acquaintances, your uh-huh. neighbors, uh, love with the people you work with. Yeah. Like my clients become family because totally. we do such deep work, yeah. you know. Um, Even I look at someone like Oprah, a perfect example. She and she's gone on the record to say this. She doesn't have kids. Right. She's like, I look at my work as my my child. She's yeah. like, I've given everything to my child to my work. Right. She's like, I have my dogs. She's got Stedman, like her yes. dude. Yeah. But for her, it's like this is her thing, and she's poured herself into that. Yeah. And she's made that decision to be okay for herself. That's right. So you have to decide, like. What and it's important to have something, right? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people are banking on it being the relationship to like save them and give them a sense of purpose. And a relationship without purpose is not going to make you happy. Of you course. still have to have purpose in life. Exactly. So I think it's important for people again to do the work on themselves, get really clear on the work that it still needs to be done, mm-hmm. and also like, okay, great, what do I want to channel my light into? Yeah. Because yeah, you can channel it into a relationship and. What else? And your relationship has to be supportive of you. Yeah. If you're dating someone, yes, I work a lot of hours. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. You know, um, but they've got to be supportive of my work, not yeah. like, oh, you're working again. Right, right, right. Because I do carve out time. I know how to balance. It's yeah. like weekends is fun time. Yes. You know, Monday through Friday, half a day is work time. Yeah. And Wednesday night, I take a night off too. So I do put in that time for you know, love and friendship and yeah. fun time, but they have to respect when it's work time. Totally. If they got to be okay with it. If they're totally. not, if they don't support me, then they're not supporting my mission. Totally. You know, so totally. that's important too. So how can, like, what would you say for someone to fix any love addiction, a codependency, or if they're keep attracting these toxic uh, people on the scale, right? Mm-hmm. And again, not all people on the scale, are bad. Right. <laughs> you know, like point again, that out again. recognizing we all have some childhood trauma. Yeah. There's different levels. Like once I meet with some, I assess, is it a one level of trauma or a 10? Yeah. And what type of work do we have to do to heal that? Okay. Um, but you have to know there's definitely help out there. Sure. That's the important thing. Um, but do make sure you're with someone that understands trauma work. Which is important. A CCTP is a certified clinical trauma professional. Yeah. And I have that certification. And then I also have them certified in mindfulness work. Yeah. Right, and certified as a global coach and psychotherapist. So I put all those hats on to help my client. Yeah. Right, It's really important you have someone that knows the trauma work. Keep in mind, if you keep doing what you're always doing, you're going to get what you've always got, okay? <laughs> the level of insanity. Right. You know, so if you don't, if you haven't taken the time to heal your traumas, do it. Yeah. 
and don't wait. I have clients in their 70s that come to me, and right. then they move on and say, I'm ha- happiest I've ever been in my life. Yeah. And I think of my client, Bob. He's with his girlfriend. He always gives me the white knight photos from their cruises. Yeah. <laughs> he's still with his girlfriend, you yeah. know, and he's there, I'm the happiest I've ever been. He came to me at 73. That's awesome. So the sooner you do it, the better your life, right? Yeah. You don't learn this once. It's not a band-aid. It's not like dating skills you can get from a book. Once right. you heal yourself, you have that healing forever. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay? So that's super important. And you start by boldly just facing the past fears yeah. and what we call awake to awareness. Yeah. This is the awareness. Okay, this happened to me. We're not looking at blaming or shaming ourselves or blaming our parents. Yeah. It's changing your unconscious negative and anxious mindset to full conscious awareness and positivity. Okay. So you're not living in the negative past yeah. anymore. When you live in the now, this is your, your conscious presence. This is your happy place. Yeah. If you're always living in the past messages, that's where there's depression. And suffering. If you're always living in like, but I want this, I, I want this for my future, I want that for my Scarcity. future. That's where anxiety yeah. is. <laughs> right. Okay, so if you're too much uh, forward focused, yeah. like, will I get this? This is the yeah. life I want. There's anxiety. Yeah. And if you're living in the past, there's depression. Yeah. But keep in mind, you're 100% responsible for choosing that great partner, so you have to get educated. Yeah. Okay, and get your healing going. And, you know, I do have that Life and Love Transformation program for people that's interested. You know, it starts by just meeting with me. I do a few assessments. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Childhood Trauma Checklist is free on my website, rihannamilne.com, as is the ACOA checklist, which okay. is Adult Child of an Alcoholic or Other Trauma. Yeah. It's a great test to do, and if you're dating someone, you're not sure if it's a healthy relationship or they're a narcissist, I have free on my website the red, uh, red flag checklist. Yeah. So again, getting looking at it factually, not to blame or shame, and saying, okay, like I am in a relationship that needs dire help. So yeah. either you get help for the relationship, or you say, i got to release them in love. Yeah. And get healing for myself because this might be the fourth time this has happened to me. Right. And why am I attracting this? Right. And being, and I totally get being at that stage of I don't know what I don't know. And, that's, and well, that was that, killing me, Lex. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, what am I doing wrong here? Yeah. You know, I don't get it. Yeah. And I needed the answers. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the important thing I really want to point out. There's a level of humility that any work in personal development takes. It's, mm-hmm. it's easy to do the surface stuff, the fun stuff, the mm-hmm. visioning, the vision boards, the law of attraction, like, cool, that's all surface. Right. The minute you go deep into the darkness of the soul and you go into those areas that we've kind of shoved underneath the rug, mm-hmm. it's hard and it's challenging sometimes to to look at maybe what we've been through. A lot of times we tell ourselves a story of like, oh, I had a good childhood it wasn't that bad, but we don't recognize the subtle trauma that shows That's up. That's right. So it's really important like, to know that there's information out there. Yeah. We have the information now. We have the research now. Of course, it's going to keep evolving, but it's our responsibility to work with people or to do the research ourselves, however we want to go about yeah. it, to really dive into this space and to understand the self more completely so that we can be more successful exactly. in all areas of our life. It's, it's funny, when I looked at the Kaiser study and I had this 10-point childhood checklist, now for the listeners, there's more than 10, Yeah, but these are the top 10 I saw in my work over yeah. time and then in the partners that I was attracted to, Yeah, right? The Kaiser study did not have some of my 10 points hmm. which I thought was very interesting like they did not have abandonment on there which is so they interesting. did not have bullying oh and I God. worked in the schools from kindergarten oh, yeah. to college with all the kids that were bullied I'm like how could they not have bullying on here which 
is such a, an imprint. Which was huge. Yeah. You know, kids of foster care. I worked with oh them gosh. at Atlanta yeah. Care Hospital. It's yeah. like, how can they not have the kids that were, you know, put up for adoption two or three times right. within the foster care system? Shuffle from house to house. Yes. Yeah. So mind list was very different from their list, but they have evolved their list uh, to include now abandonment and bullying. Oh, that's great. So some of the things that I have is now on there. So And then some things of trauma people like say, well, verbally. Yeah. And they would say, well, if you watched your mom and dad yell at each other, or maybe you were screamed at, that's verbal abuse. Yeah. I put, if you didn't hear, I love you. Yeah. Or you never heard compliments, or instead you heard put downs like, you're stupid, you're ADHD. Right. You know, and that message could have come from school, not your parents, 100%. but it's still a, a message. Yeah. Or a doctor, right? Yeah. You're not good enough. So those messages I thought were super important. For sure. And they weren't on the list. Yeah. So, you know, now it does include yeah. that list. So it is still evolving work. Yeah. Which and is great. this is trauma-based because these are our belief systems. If we're told it from people we love and trust, which yeah. is parents, teachers, coaches. Doctors. Doctors. Yeah. Then those are messages that are in our uh, unconsciousness yeah. that is stronger than our conscious until we retrain it. Of course, especially yeah. when they're done at a particular age where our identity is being developed. That's right. And that's the thing that people don't understand. In childhood, we're actually developing who we think we are. In Ages one to, to eleven, well, birth, yeah, you know, in utero to in eleven. Utero. There's <laughs> yes. so much research around in utero yeah. and like what gets imprinted during that time, which again is so important. I'm having a girl now. Yeah. I thought about that so much. Like I'm making her eggs, so I'm yeah. making all my grandchildren for her. Yeah, and what am I imprinting on them? Yeah, for future generations. So an anxious pregnant mom, yeah, passes on anxiety. To their children. Of course, yeah. yeah. And so again, like humility and willingness and responsibility all go hand in hand. If you really want to do real personal development, it's not just developing the surface version identity of you no, to be successful in the world and like yeah. rah rah, you made a lot of money and you people think you're awesome. Cool. But have you gone to the depths of yourself? Yeah. And if you haven't yet, it's all good. There's no shame in that. But start that journey now because you don't want to get 10, 20, 30, 40 years out in your life and go, holy shit, I missed the point. Yeah. You know? For real. And, and that's, that's something that I'm seeing, thank God, in our generation of millennials and Gen Xers and Gen Yers and those who are younger. It's like there's this earlier looking in yeah. the mirror, which is really cool. Yeah. And I wish I had this information way totally. younger. You know? like, but you think about like, how is this going to change our world? It's exciting to think how among a lot of other things that aren't working, mm-hmm. you know, like our addiction to technology and yada, yada, right. yada. But there are some things that are, are really shifting and it's going to be really cool to see how our children and their children grow up. Well, I want to do a parenting <laughs> we'll do a parenting episode next. too. Yes. Uh, but for those who are interested, again, listen to episode 15 on this podcast where we talk about those 10 childhood traumas and how they show up, how they present in relationships. So you can really start to identify yourself in those. Yes. Um, and of course, people maybe that you're in partnership with, but look for yourself first. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a great episode. And then if for people who want to learn more or take the childhood trauma checklist and get those assessments, where do they yeah, go? Yeah, my website's Rihanna Milne. Com. My podcast is LessonsInLifeAndLove.com, which is all about teaching or to heal the trauma yep. in various areas of your life and love relationships. 
my YouTube channel. I have tons of interviews and videos on this work. Yeah. And of course, just reach out to me for a life and love transformation session. I do a deep dive in one hour. Everyone says in one hour, I learned more with you, Rihanna, than I learned in seven years of therapy. Yeah. So it's going to go deep diving into what's happening and why. Yeah. And then, you know, you have options in how to heal this. Yeah. The good right. news is there is healing. There's life beyond this. Yeah. And it's a great way to live. It's a very peaceful, calm, empowered way to live mm-hmm. once you have this information. Yeah, and empowerment is huge, but empowerment requires information and application. Yeah, you know, taking massive action, taking action, and again, if if you want different results, you got to try something differently. So, um, the invitation is there for you to explore this, to see where you show up on this, to see maybe why you keep attracting people with certain qualities, or maybe you might be that person, Mm -hmm. and maybe you can start taking a deeper look into yourself, um, and that's where. Without blaming, without blaming, but saying, okay, I had some wounds that are leading me to this, and it's time for me to heal it. All with compassion and love. That's right. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for listening. I hope you got some amazing value or at least one insight that you can go ahead and apply right now. Because again, all of this information is awesome and inspiring and motivating and uplifting. And holy cow, this was great. But if you don't apply it, it doesn't mean shit. So take something, take one thing, do some research, go to her website, take the assessment, check out episode 15, do something that tells your unconscious mind that you are serious about healing this. That's where the game changes. That's where sustainable change actually happens. So as always, I thank you for taking the time and spending this this 45 minutes, this hour with me, my mom, this information. Hopefully it has informed you in some way that can truly lead to that deep change. And if you did find value, make sure you screenshot, tag myself at Alexi Panos and my mom at Rihanna Milne on Instagram. Are you? What's your... I'm more Facebook, but Instagram's okay. cool. I'm trying to learn this. <laughs> I'm more on Instagram. Yes. But... Either way, okay. Please, yes, both is good. Okay, so at Rihanna Mill, I'll, <laughs> I'll make sure I put her tag in the show notes, um, and let us know what you took from this. Let us know what landed. Let us know what blew your mind. What was an aha? That's a really great way to tell me what you really love and what you want more of. And if you have the time, take 90 seconds and review and rate this podcast on iTunes. It exponentially helps to get it out to more people. And if you do that, screenshot that and send it to podcast at alexipanos.com. And I will send you a super secret link to about $1,000 worth of freebies to help your life, love, and your business take off. So check that out. I love you guys. Have a phenomenal week. And I'll see you on the next episode.